You know, the will of God is the sanctification of holiness. Now, what in the world does sanctification mean? We're going to talk about it as we study on this day, the First Thessalonians chapter 4. So get ready for that. We're going to teach on it about three minutes time. It is very interesting. Corey? Today, I'm going to be taking a look at the city of Thessalonica to whom Thessalonians was written. Ryan? Today, I'm dealing with a supposed contradiction in the Bible regarding the current status of Satan. Okay, the current status of Satan. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, Janice? Well, my segment is called God is Faithful and True. Indeed, he is. So take out your Bible guide. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can go to Bible Discovery TV and get one because this is the last month of the year and we're getting ready to start all over again. So get your Bible guide out and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we open it up and read what God is telling us so we can hear what he's saying. Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 8. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified." For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. You know, 1 Thessalonians is an amazing passage in the scripture. We're talking specifically about chapters 4 and 5. Faith in action is real, very real. Likewise, faith without action is also very real, and, and your life has no faith at all if there's no action. When we put our trust in God following what He says, because He's the one who said it, we will witness real, tangible changes in our life. People do change with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul writes to the new converts in Thessalonica. He says this, for in this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. A lot of people don't talk about that these days. Paul continues this explanation and describes how we should live and treat each other in Christ. God makes a serious change in our attitudes and lives when we choose to follow him. If we believe that we are being sanctified by God, we begin to realize that others are meant to be sanctified by God as well. And they aren't objects for us to use. They are people for us to love. 
We don't like to use objects. We like to love people as Christians. As it is said in many different ways, we can tell people we are Christian. But do our lives truly show it? Do we live to please ourselves or do we walk to please in God's holiness of Christ? Now, this is a true test of our faith in Jesus Christ. We must walk to prove ourselves holy in Christ. Now, this is fascinating because as we study it, a lot of people have a lot of things they could say. And one of them would be, well, how can I be holy? I'm human. Well, I understand that. But God brings his Holy Spirit into our lives when we come to know Jesus Christ and give our lives to him. We respond and we say, yes, Lord, I need you. And suddenly he does something. His Holy Spirit comes down into our hearts and we become changed people. And the changes are slow going, but he changes our life for the better. Now, I can tell you this for a fact in my own life. I changed so dramatically from the time from four over 40 years ago, God has changed me. And today we're talking about practical faith. What does that mean? Well, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that you would help us to hear that. Thank you, Lord. And we need, we need practical faith right now. The world is a mess. Things are happening. It's just incredible. So Lord, we need to settle down and we need to focus on you. So, so let, we're going to take this time right now and we're going to focus on you. Holy Spirit, teach us your way and show us the paths that you have laid out so we can walk in those paths and be safe. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, having said that and having prayed that, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, finally then, brethren, talking to the brothers at the church at Thessalonica, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality or sexual sin, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, his own body in sanctification and in honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, this is important. The will of God is our sanctification or holiness. Believers give themselves to follow God, living and behaving according to his ways. Now, remember that because that's important. A lot of people say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. They go live like they want. Now, hold on a minute. If you truly are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then you've given your will and your ways over to follow God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but what it does mean is that you have set your mind in the direction against that, and that is against sin. Now, this world is full of sin, and the, the world will help you sin. You know, governments are in favor of that, but let's remember that the word of God, which is higher than any government or higher than anything, teaches us to respect the government, but it also teaches us to follow his way, which is very different than what the world says. Now, that's important to remember. So keep that in mind. Let's go on because this gets better. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, one verse here, says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner. 
because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. This is important to remember. We live better towards others knowing that God is watching us. You see, faith in Christ is real and changes us. When we understand that and we realize that it's not just whether we get caught or not, but it's God watching us, then we need to pay attention. Now, remember, Christians are, some of the Christians will be feeling comfortable with this, but there is a judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is not whether we get into heaven, but it's simply whether God said, well done, good and faithful servant, and he rewards us according to what we've done with our life. And I hope that I will receive some rewards because I want something to throw at the feet of Jesus Christ when we worship him. Very interesting, isn't it? Well, the teachings on Jesus Christ are something that we'll explore a little bit later on. But we need to remember that, beloved. Now let's go to verses 7 and 8. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not or not reject man, but God. In other words, we reject God instead of man, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now that's intense. So listen to what Paul says. The presence of God's Holy Spirit is a gift to those who have accepted him as Lord. God does not ask us to do anything alone. He is with us always. Now, that may be hard for you to understand, but that's the truth. Just because you don't feel something doesn't mean it's not happening. Well, there's a lot of things we know are happening that we don't feel anything about. So it's important for us to realize that God is watching. And as we direct our lives according to his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit in us, reminds us when we're right and tells us when we're right and forgives us when we're wrong. But I need to tell you that as we focus our life towards God, then things change in our life and we change. Now, I've spoken primarily to Christians and the Bible here in Thessalonians talks to the believers. But there are some believers who are watching me on the channels that we are broadcasting on. And let me tell you something. You can come to Christ right now. He's as close as the mention of his name pray and say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again in the flesh. And I believe you can save my life. I need salvation. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So as
as we can see, the book of First Thessalonians was written to the churches in the, the city of Thessalonica. So today I figured it would be really good to kind of go into this city of Thessalonica itself, you know, its history, where it's located, maybe some other uh, ways that it's integrated into scripture. Let's look at it and see what we can learn. The ancient city of Thessalonica was an important seaport in the area of Macedonia. It was originally named after the sister of Alexander the Great and was located at the crossroads of four major highways. In 146 BC, when Macedonia was made into a Roman province, Thessalonica was named as its capital city. The city then gained even more prominence in 42 BC by helping Mark Anthony and Octavian defeat the remaining assassins of Julius Caesar. In the first century AD, the Book of Acts records a visit to Thessalonica by the Apostle Paul. This first century city is estimated to have had a population of around 100,000. Later in the New Testament, the Bible preserves letters written to believers living in Thessalonica that Paul authored. Today, they're called the biblical books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Archaeological remains are hard to come by at Thessalonica due to the city still being actively occupied. However, a massive 70 by 110 yard paved Roman-style forum has been uncovered, dating from the 1st and 2nd centuries AD. Also, it is known that a 1st century AD Roman archway called the Vandar Arch survived in Thessalonica until 1867, when it was finally taken down. Today, an inscription from the archway survives in the British Museum. This inscription itself actually helped cleared up some controversy regarding the accuracy of the New Testament. In Acts chapter 17, the author, Luke, mentions the city officials of Thessalonica using a previously unknown and unattested to Greek word. It just so happened that the inscription on the destroyed archway also refers to officials of Thessalonica using that exact Greek term. There we have it, a quick look at Thessalonica. I always think it's so interesting taking a look at images of the ruins of these cities, knowing that our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, were seeing the same things, except obviously not in their ruined form. Always really interesting to take a look at it, even the location of these cities on a map, knowing you know, how difficult travel was in those days, how long and arduous travel was in those days compared to how it is now, and just really appreciating how much work and effort went into not only spreading the gospel, but then passing around these letters of the apostles to the different churches. Yeah, it's really important to also remind people that these letters are called these names because they're written to those churches. Yes. And that's important to keep in mind. I know when I first read the Bible a couple of times, I just, I'm in Ephesus, I'm, I'm, I'm in Ephesians. I had no idea that was a church. And yes. when I learned it was a church, it brought more depth to, yes. you know, learning what he wrote and then I could apply it to my life. Yes, it's really, really important for application because when you realize that this is a letter, 
to a specific people group at a specific time, you realize that you have to read it like that. The truths that are conveyed are timeless truths. But in order to understand the truth that's being communicated, you have to realize that there were situations that are going on in these cities, in these churches that Paul is responding to. Mm -hmm. And you can see it very clearly when you start reading it from that perspective where you're like, oh, I see he's responding to this. Now, what does that mean for my life? What are the principles that I need to draw from this? That really is important when you get into Corinthians as well, because he speaks about in chapter seven and all the rest of it, chapter eight, he speaks about, you know, all of these things about women wearing headdresses and and you, you, you tend to take and say, well, I should do this. Well, hold on a minute. He's writing to those people. What does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. What was his intention? That's exactly correct. And so that's very good. So thank you for doing that. Right. All right. Well, I know that our assigned reading today is 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, but I want to go back to chapter 2 because I want to clear up an alleged contradiction. And note that in this passage, Paul says to the Thessalonian believers, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. So this verse brings up a question regarding Satan's status, because this passage, as well as others, indicate that Satan is active and free to roam the earth. And yet passages like 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and Jude verse 6 seem to say that Satan is currently tied up. So is Satan tied up or is he free to roam? Well, let's study the relevant passages very carefully. From the very beginning, the father of lies has worked very hard to sow seeds of doubt within the hearts and minds of mankind regarding God's perfect words. As a result, today we live in what is undoubtedly the most skeptical and cynical age of all time. In fact, following in their father's footsteps, skeptics and cynics have even produced a Bible of their own, the Skeptics Annotated Bible. However, just as Satan's words were utterly empty and false in Eden, so they are today as well. As an example, consider just one of the erroneous accusations brought against the perfect word of God. Claim is made that the Bible is in contradiction over Satan's current influence and status. For instance, when God asks Satan in Job 1.7 and 2.2 where he has come from, he responds, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Similarly, in 1 Peter 5.8, the apostle of Christ warns believers to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yet this same Peter in his second epistle, chapter 2, verse 4, as well as Jesus' own brother Jude in Jude, verse 6, both affirm that God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Based upon these verses, the question arises, is the devil tied up or is he free to roam? Actually, to pit these passages against each other is unwise, because it is unclear as to what angels and to which sin 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude 1.6 are referring. Although the skeptic has assumed that these passages are pertaining to the initial rebellion and fall of Satan and his demons, Peter and Jude simply do not say. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that the angels spoken of here are actually the group specifically involved with the Nephilim rebellion of Genesis chapter 6, just prior to the flood. The context of 2 Peter 2 and Jude do seem to place these angels in context with the time of Noah. In any case, whether this is the particular group of angels Peter and Jude are referring to or not, we do know from other Bible passages that not all the demons are bound in this dark abyss awaiting final judgment. 
Many of them, including Satan, do roam the heavens and earth. In fact, some of the demons who encountered Jesus begged him not to send them there because they feared going to that place. Thus, for the time being, Satan and those demons that have not been banished are free to roam, and no biblical passage denies that fact. Truly, as Proverbs 30 proclaims, every word of God is pure, and anyone who claims otherwise will be, like the devil, found to be a liar. So as you can hopefully see, to pit these sets of passages against each other isn't very wise. But even if we assume that these passages in 2 Peter and Jude are referring to Satan and his entire force of fallen angels being in everlasting chains, there is still no issue. Because as the late scholar John Gill explained, everlasting chains could be referring to the power and providence of God over them, meaning that they're, they're in, an, in an imprisoned state whereby they are not their own lords and cannot do as they would. They are under restraints and in chains and not to be feared. Now, of course, we know the ultimate outcome of all such dark forces. According to Revelation 20 verse 10, Jesus Christ will cast Satan and all his demons and followers into the lake of fire. But don't let that be you. God made a way of escape for all of us, and that's through Jesus Christ. Please make him your Lord today so that you will be saved. I really want to reemphasize re that of coming to God. If you're watching this program on the internet or you're watching this program on television, uh, know that you are now made aware that Jesus Christ is real. He is Lord. He came, he died on the cross and rose again. And if you pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you will be, uh, of course, helped by him and saved through him uh, from the ravages of hell. Very, very important. Ryan, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so this is, I promised you on Friday, I would talk a little bit more about this. This is the latest installment of A World by Design. And what these are is these are interviews I've conducted with scientists and speakers uh, there was a creation conference earlier this year that uh, my dad and I, a couple of us, attended, and uh, I, I was given the privilege to interview these guys. So uh, I'm excited. This is going to be out a little bit later this month, so uh, watch for it. Yeah, watch for it. And we, the, those gentlemen are absolutely excellent in their yeah. studies and their knowledge and all they do. So they're very good. So keep an eye on that. That's coming up soon. Janice? Yes, I titled this God is Faithful and Just. And my key verse is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, actually verses 7 and 8. And it says, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So just looking at this, God doesn't call us to uncleanness. In fact, 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not the work that we can do, this is the work that's done through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified for us once and for all. And he is faithful and just to cleanse us, but we can't just settle or compromise in where we are. We don't just come to the Lord and then stay there and continue to live how we want to live. Our commitment to Christ, he gave himself Therefore, we need to come and give ourselves to him. 
so that we relinquish, really, we relinquish the way that we want to live, but choose in our hearts to live as He has chosen for us to live. We learn that by going through the scriptures, by seeing what He taught and how He lived. So again, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. You know, when I was uh, reading this passage and and really uh, contemplating these couple of verses, I was thinking to the several times in the New Testament where Jesus healed the lepers Um, healed many people and made them clean again, able to be a part of society again, able to be a part of their community again, uh, being whole within themselves. And then I thought about Naaman in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 5, and he was sent to Elisha, the prophet, uh, because his servant girl, um, a Hebrew servant girl, um, had told his wife, oh, if he would only go to see the prophet Elisha, he would be healed by my by God. And so Naaman went, and if you have never read that story, you should open up your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 5. It's a really fascinating story. But Naaman uh, goes to the house of Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends a messenger out to tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan River, which was apparently not the cleanest river at all. And Naaman was very angry, to be quite frank. He was angry that he was this great commander of the army and Elisha didn't even bother to come out to see him face to face. He sent a messenger and he came with a message to go into the wrong river and he stormed away. And one of his men said to him, sir, if you knew that this, if you would believe that this would make you clean, why wouldn't you do it? So Naaman went to the Jordan River. He had to dip in it seven times according to the word of God through the prophet Elijah. And it says here, when he did, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. He didn't, at first, he wasn't too accepting that he would have to do something that he didn't think he should have to do. But then when he did, when he followed the instructions, he was healed by the word of God. It's the same with you and I. We need to pay attention. Don't reject this coming to being clean by God, but accept it because this is God's gift to you and to me.
Well, I want to remind you that the Bible Guide comes automatically once you're on the list. And I want to encourage you to write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV and make sure that you get on the list. Thank you for your donations. Very much needed now. We need to pray for the world today. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us with all of the troubles of the world and speak to the hearts of people, but help us as believers in Jesus Christ to look to you because you are our only hope and our only faith. In Jesus' name, amen.